ran close that season in the league title as well. We went, we took it to the final day. If things have gone our way a little bit here or there, but of course, yeah, I think winning that first trophy is is really important, and it just settles everything down, and you're then hungry for the next one. The official Manchester City podcast. Watch the full video version of this show via City Plus now. Hello and welcome to the official Manchester City podcast. I'm your host, George Kelsey, and we've got a special episode today. I'm joined by Nick Cushing and Gareth Taylor, two managers of our women's team since the professional relaunch. And I'll be joined by my co-host, Karen Bardsley, a legend in her own right as a player who's obviously still involved very heavily with the club now as Girls Academy Manager. Really exciting podcast coming up, talking about the highlights from the past 10 years and also the exciting future. So stay tuned. We'll go through firstly from the beginning always helps you both obviously had quite a similar um transition into becoming manager of our women's team having worked in the academy beforehand nick we'll start off with you can you just talk us through if, if you can remember that initial transition into becoming the women's manager how you were approached and what you'd kind of done with city beforehand yeah i worked i worked in the boys academy for um seven eight years before i went into the women's team i was predominantly with small sided game which was uh, five to eight and then nines, tens were the teams that I had in the boys' academy. And when I transferred over onto my coaching licence, which is the A licence, which is 11 v 11, I didn't have a team. I actually worked across, you were six, 16s at the time, and I think yeah. Jason Wilcox and Gareth Wally were 13s and 12s. And I supported those two guys in the sense of they ran the teams. And I was just an extra coach that, that worked across there. And Scott Sellers was the academy director at the time. Um, and this opportunity came up and he just said to me, it wasn't actually an, a conversation, it was more of a, you're doing this right. <laughs> and you're going to go take this team. The, the women's team is coming in-house. Um, it's going to be half professional, half semi-professional because we were going to go and get some England internationals, some established WSL players and we were going to marry that with the existing players that we were going to retain from the group. The team was sort of picked for me. It was Gavin Makel, Brian Marwood that built the team and I was told in three months time, it was around October I think 2013, I was told January 2014 that I was going to be taking the team and we were going to go enter the WSL and play. So um, I was 29 at the time and it was a great opportunity for me and one that I enjoyed but actually was a real stepping stone for my career. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a stepping stone and quite a significant step up as well. How how did you cope and sort of find those first few months in the role before you kind of got your feet under the table? I think initially I was really excited about the role because although I, I have a passion for developing players, I was I was a bit stale in the boys' academy because when you, when you take an under-9s team or you work with an under-12s team, the winning and losing is is not really the the, the main aim. It's no. the developing of players. And when you go and take a team and you play against a Sheffield United or a Middlesbrough and you lose, and no one really, there is no real pressure. I wanted to work at the top end of under 18s, under 23s, first team. When I reflect on it at 29, I wasn't ready. And I was probably far more ambitious than my capability. Um, so given the opportunity to take the women's team was I was really excited. Um, I was really comfortable taking the team and I felt I was really honest with the team at the start saying that I had no experience with women's football and I had no experience in the professional game. But it was I was excited and I was ambitious. Um, until we played the first game, we played Liverpool, who were the champions. It was live on BT Sport. And the first thing I did was come off the bus and went straight in front of the camera on BT Sport. And that's the moment I think I was like, you know, this is 
different to what I've experienced and the game was crazy. But the initial part was when I reflect on it, probably wasn't as polished as it needed to be. We went to La Manga on preseason and I tell these stories all the time that it was a little, we had to do a lot of work on trying to almost develop the operation and the infrastructure around the team because we had this team that was stepping up into being professional, but we also had really established England internationals that were coming here with really high standards and our standards didn't really meet that. Yeah, how did it feel for you, Karen? Because obviously he's <laughs> talked about the internationals. You were one of them. How yeah. was it for you in those? I remember having some of those conversations with you, Nick, um, particularly around like, I don't really know, you know, the women's game and, you know, we playing against teams that were coming up and you'd be like, oh, who's Kim Little? And we're like, dude, she's a legend. You know what I mean? Um, so we kind of all have to upskill each other on you know what to expect and I think that was kind of reflected in the initial level of the performance when we brought the previous existing team up to you know the the WSL standard as well because ultimately at times um, it just felt like there was a, a, a gap in quality without being disrespectful um, and I think we really struggled at times to kind of integrate the methodology and the way that you wanted to play based on the quality of the players that we had at that time. So it was really iterative, you know, like, like Nick said, you know, we went away to try to work on these things, but it was all like hyper compressed into a very short space of time before we kind of got into the league. But I remember, you know, just like being really impressed by, you know, the initial kind of vision of what it is that Manchester City wanted to do with the women's team. And I think ultimately that ambition is what kind of drove me to want to be a part of the club. But yeah, initially it was just like, oh, okay, like we've got some gaps that need filling. Um, but I, I think actually don't think people are really aware of how we reinvented the team in the first two months because the initial <laughs> plan, we literally scrapped the plan. And the initial plan was to have a part-time team that still worked but trained in the evening yeah. and have six full-time players, Izzy Christensen, Betsy Hassett, Karen Bardsley, Jill Scott, Steph Horton, Tony Duggan. Those players were going to train in the day at the academy and then we were going to train at night at Wright-Robinson College as a team to develop the team and, and prepare for the games. And we realised after about six weeks that this wasn't working. It was the, the facility wasn't great. The just it just didn't work. So what we decided to do was we reinvented the team. We we didn't we released a lot of the older players. We then brought in some younger players that were able to train in the day. And we then made the whole team train like a first team, which was 10 a.m. training, eating the academy, and we got the support from the football club within the academy, which then meant that we actually ran as a professional football team instead of this sort of hybrid mm. team that didn't work it must have been difficult as well sort of as, as you've kind of mentioned already having established internationals and professionals that are there full-time fully integrated from the start and then players who are part-time having to work jobs work in the evening and so on so that initial period it, it sounds like it must have been really tough to, even though we've got a solution in the end it sounds like a really tough period to deal with actually at the start yeah I think what you've got is you've got a group of players that are really embracing this new environment because it is much different to what it used to be. But then you've also got a group of players that are looking down, thinking this is not where it needs to be. This environment isn't inducive of performance because the international players w came from the environment of an old central contract system where they were able to train full time. They weren't training at 8 till 10 p.m. of an evening on a sports college. So it was almost like they felt like they took a sort of step backwards 
whereas what we were trying to build was this 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 football team that was taking a step forwards we were going to be the team that was going to work in a way that was going to be in, inducive of, in, of of a real entertaining style and a real professional football team so we had to be, make some clinical decisions and some really decisive decisions really quickly for the good of the team and to almost have the players think this was a great decision to come here because they came from really established women's football teams like Notts County, like Arsenal, like Everton. So we, we had to we had to make the decision really quickly. I yeah. think it just showed that you know the the landscape was changing really quickly in the women's game and you know maybe people had a perception of what it was and then ultimately when you get your hands in, in, into the you know the, the dirt as it were, yeah. you kind of suddenly realize that you know actually no it it there's a level that you know, in a certain standard. And, you know, I think what I'm trying to say is that the club recognized that and it recognized that it needed fixing and the club put it right and created an environment, you know, where we obviously went on to win a trophy in our first season. Mm. Just before we get onto that, that trophy, Gareth, you were obviously part of the academy at the time as well. From a an internal outside perspective, what was it like for you in those first few months when, when the women's team was relaunched and so on? What do you remember from that? I remember a lot because uh, I was obviously under 16 coach at the time and I worked closely with Nick uh, in in his kind of, he was taking the team, I remember you were taking the under nines and they moved you into this 12-13s assistant role and I remember you being a bit naffed off at the time and I said come on we'll uh, we'll make it fun and, and you know we'll get around the sessions because I had to line manage all of those people within that bracket and Nick was one of them. I think I remember us going to Wrexham one day. I took you yeah. back to one of my former clubs, Wrexham. We had a good day there and just give them a bit of a taster of obviously the day-to-day of what football looks like. And I think that period was really good for me as a coach because like Nick said, it was like this hybrid model of pros here. And I'm glad you reminded me the names. I remember Bex Hassett now and Tony was there, wasn't she? And obviously <laughs> Jill and Steph and KB. Um, but those guys were joining the training sessions. Do you remember at Platt Lane? These are joining the training sessions with the 16s. They were so fun. So I actually think that's one of the one of the things we we did, and probably a little bit unconsciously did a lot of things that changed the perception of the women's teams really quickly, like the the internationals went in and trained with the boys, so the boys, because they saw their quality and the coaches worked with them, it actually molded the mm. environment really quickly. It, it become a real inclusive environment really quickly. I think. I think that's a good that's a big point though. I don't think yet you give yourself enough credit there because I remember you were. You know, reiterating those points around challenging those perceptions because you know we got fobbed off quite a lot you know just being in the environment people kind of looked at us like why are you here we had to really fight to kind of make sure that we actually belong and we got the respect that we deserved you know to get to where it is today but I remember joining in some of those sessions I remember joining uh, in Jason's Wilcox's sessions with the 18s and stuff like that and they were absolutely amazing I think my first week at the club they took me over to where was it? It was Carrington when we were still training. Where the yeah, we used to do two days at Carrington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. And I went yeah. over there and joined in the small side of games. And it was honestly like, I was like, this is what it's about. You know, like this is like the level that we want to be tested at. And I just kind of wish that the entire team could have felt that. Yeah. How long did that go on for then, that period of training? We, yeah, it was probably about six, eight weeks. And then we realized really quickly that being in a sports college where there was a lot of the public there wasn't inducive to the way we wanted to treat our football players um I think that period was really good period for me because over that sort of transition of trying to go from small-sided to um 11 aside I had really good relationships like Gareth I got we went to Abu Dhabi I supported you in the Rishworth so 
I, I always had the opportunity to work with the 16s or the 18s, yeah. not in a formal way. It was only because the coaches let me give, gave me the opportunity and supported me. Um, so when I took the women's team, they were really open to allowing the players to train and, and allowing me to be integrated with within that department because the department was like, Gareth Lyon managed 16s, 15s, 14s, 13s and 12s. And I sort of was just a sort of spare part in that in that moment because there just wasn't a role for me. So when I moved to the women's team, I stayed sort of in the same role, just with a yeah. different team. That relationship's already there. Yeah. Which, yeah, really important. Um, obviously, at the end of that first season, we get the trophy, the Conti <laughs> Cup in 2014. There were a lot of big results en route to that, beating Chelsea in the semis and on the final day of the season as well. But um, this is a question for, for both of you, really. But firstly, with Nick, that first trophy, how significant did that feel for you at the time, just to kind of, as a platform, to then move on to bigger and better things? Yeah, I think when I reflect on that, um, it's a great example of real team spirit and togetherness because we didn't have so much quality. And I don't say that because we had bad players. We just had really inconsistent results. Our league position was, what, seventh maybe that yeah. year? Um, so our league results were really inconsistent. But in a cup competition, and we're really lucky actually because over my time of the Continental Cup, it bounced around from being group stage to, to knockout. So... In that 2014, we lost the first game away to yeah. Doncaster Bells. If it was a knockout, we'd have been out. But because <laughs> mm. it was a league format, mm. we managed to go. We beat Liverpool, we beat Everton. We then got through. We got Chelsea in the in the semi-final. We played at Hyde. That was when we used to do some of the games at oh, Hyde. That was so good. And we actually changed the, the, the strategy of the game. We actually just sat in and played on counter-attack because we knew they were strong. They were going to win the league that year. Mm. Um and we scored, we regained it, Tony scored, we managed to go to the final, and then even in the final, for the first 60 minutes, if we hadn't had KB in goal, we'd yeah. have lost the game 5-0. <laughs> we were just pulling saves out everywhere, and I just think it was just meant to be. I have no explanation in how we won that trophy, other than we, we nicked a goal and we went on and won it, but I think what it did was, it did reinforce belief that you know we want to be a, a, an integral part of the development of the women's game, we want to be an important team in the WSL, but it was definitely team spirit and togetherness that carried us through that final. Yeah. Well, I thought it was quite nice as well because I obviously look back at the highlights again this morning. I mean, as Nick said, some of the saves are ridiculous, <laughs> firstly, so fair play. Um, it was quite nice and quite poetic in a way that it's Crystal who puts the ball in, one of the players who was there before the relaunch for Izzy, who's then obviously one of the marquee players. So just really nice sort of to show the transition between the original team and then the team that... We then became as well. Just thought it was a really nice. Yeah, I think anyway. that team. Had, I think that team had a really good balance of. I say a really good balance. When I say the team, the, the results were inconsistent. It was probably because of the team. We had Georgia Brown played yeah. at right back. She'd never played, and we we put her in the game because we we just had injuries or we had suspensions. And like you say, Crystal Johnson played a lot that season. Um, Abby McManus. Yeah. I tell you why Georgia played is because Abby got sent off in the Chelsea game, which was the last game of the season for elbowing. Uh, Yuki Agimi, she got sent off, which meant she missed the final. So then we had to throw Georgia in, who's 17, never played. I just think it was it had a good mix of we just tried mm. really hard and wanted to win really badly. Yeah. And your first trophy, Gareth, um, was only a couple of months after you'd, you'd taken on the role, obviously the FA Cup. Mm. Um, how significant did that feel for you, just sort of getting, again, as I've said it before, getting your feet under the table, really mm. establishing yourself in that role? Yeah, I think similar to what Nick says, it kind of just reinforces the belief a little bit around what you do. I mean, obviously, Nick, we, we got locked down and Nick yeah. got us to the quarterfinals. So it was, uh, he did a lot of the hard work. But uh, yeah, for me, 
if you remember, that was in the November the 1st, I think it was in 2021, maybe, or 2020. One of them, yeah. No, it was 2020, 2020 yeah, because it, it was yeah. March was the lockdown, yeah. Uh, so we were playing catch-up. We had, I think, um, the following season, two FA Cups, you know, because they were rolling over. But yeah, of course, it was great, especially at Wembley. And I think it was weird sensation because we were behind closed doors with no fans. But it was great. And I think, um, you know, we ran close that season in the league title as well. We went, we took it to the final day. If things had gone our way a little bit here or there. But of course, yeah, I think winning that first trophy is is really important. And it just settles everything down and you're then hungry for the next one. We've then talked before about obviously the importance of those key established players from the start, Steph, Jill, Karen, just to name a few. How important were they for you as well in those first few months in the role just to help you out? Yeah, massive. I mean, like like Nick was saying, he's probably more open about it than I am, but I made a lot of mistakes, definitely. You know, I think um, I was really fortunate that I was literally, while Nick was in that role, and certainly when we moved here to the to the CFA that we were working alongside each other on the pitches. We were in the same dressing room. So I was hearing some of his frustrations. He was hearing some of mine at under 18 level uh, and, and some of the things that we'd get excited about, which was always the football. Um, but of course, I think you make errors because you kind of uh, come in with your ideas of how you want things to work. And then you actually get to the bottom of things and find that, like Karen was saying before, that you know we need to improve things. We need to improve so many things. and. Some of them were general things in terms of allowing the players to be the very best versions of themselves, you know, whether it be basic, how we travel, how we how we uh, use our nutrition, how we train, how we're able to train. I think um, those are really important things. But what I did find was that there was incredible honesty from the players, from the group. You know, our staff was staff turnover was quite high in many areas and the game was changing right before our eyes. It was changing so much. And from that period of no supporters being able to come through the turnstiles for the following season to go to Sky Sports showing more games to now showing pretty much all of the games and and supporters coming back into the stadium. I just felt like there's been such change and obviously with the Lionesses winning, with the type of exposure now that the women's game rightly gets and I think it's only going to improve is it's just incredible where it's where it was and where it's kind of come to and even before that obviously looking at Nick's journey and the and the cycle of the team but I was really aware of all of it and you know I was a big supporter for Nick and, and a big supporter for all of the guys in because we were so close and we were working literally alongside each other every day. I suppose the CFA and the move to there has sort of only enhanced that as well obviously because the academy and, and the women in particular are so well integrated have you felt it sort of continued as well and the CFA was a massive part of that? Yeah yeah it was and I think you know like Nick was saying he's able to kind of draw on resource potentially that wasn't set just for the women's and I think it's a great place to be this this place that you can have those discussions and they could be at different levels you know we we have our men's first team on site we have our women's first team on site and all of the academy staff and teams that are within it as well and the community as well so there's so many people that you you come across on a day-to-day basis and yeah, of course, you know, they've all got their own things going on and they're really highly stressed about, you know, the game or the, the performance that's about to happen. But I think it's great being able to have those touch points with people in in this type of environment. If I may as well, like being in the CFA as a player, I think um, Nick used to reiterate this part a lot around, you know, having Rado, um, who I believe, was he the technical director when we were head there? Of and then he He's obviously head of coaching, academy, right? Yeah. And then he ended up moving over to the men's first team side, didn't he? Like, I remember that you would always 
try to reiterate the point that there's a vast amount of knowledge in this building and you shouldn't be afraid to go and ask questions to try to further your understanding of the game or, you know, see pictures a bit more clearly. And I think, you know, at times, yeah, we, we do kind of get so caught up in what it is that we're doing that we forget that those amazing, incredible resources are there. And so I think that is something that, you know, we can continue to kind of push going forward. But it is actually incredible when you think about the the, the people that have like come into that building every single day and what they've experienced and you two and how you've worked together. And like, I used to see you guys all the time in the gym, like after our sessions and we'd be kind of crossing over, we'd catch up, find out what you guys were doing. And um, yeah, those, those types of conversations are like, they, they demonstrate obviously kind of what the impact that being in one building can have. But then also I think the impact that integrating a women's team into an academy can have on the, the boys teams as well. They're there in terms of, you know, the social side of, you know, just getting used to having like women around, but also like the perception as well, that it's completely normal and how that impacts on generations, you know, moving forward. And the big piece around the social change is obviously um, really big, but yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's certainly been a real special environment for me to be a part of. Absolutely. I was literally about to ask what it was like from a player perspective. You <laughs> well, took it welcome. out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose it's a good time to talk about your, your new role as well. Karen, uh, within as much as you're obviously <laughs> able to say, because you obviously start in the new year, but as, as Girls Academy manager, how important do you feel that the environment that's already at the club is going to be to help you achieve the vision that you and the club want to? Yeah, I mean, for me, representing Man City and having, you know, the the honour to do that is is something that I'm incredibly grateful for, not only as a player, but now moving into a more, you know, a, a role with a bit more influence. And ultimately, for me, I just want the players that come through the academy to have the best opportunity they can possibly have to achieve their fullest potential, you know, whether that become obviously to become a future football, a professional footballer, but, you know, to develop as a, a human being as well and have the life skills that prepare you for the rest of your life during your career and post career as well. Um, I think like obviously Man City have the resource. We've seen what they've done with the boys academy and obviously the men's and the women's first team as well. But for me, it's about pushing excellence. You know, I want to win trophies. I want to get these girls prepared for first team football, whether that's, a, you know, obviously I would like it to be at the top level, whether it be the women's first team, but also the Champions League level, um, preparing these players for international representation as well is incredibly important to me. But I've been reflecting a lot on my experiences in professional football, and there's a lot of things that I would like to make sure that um, – you know, they don't experience, you know, and, and making sure that it's approached from a, a more holistic perspective as well, because that's really important. Yeah, Gareth, obviously, you're going to be working closely with Karen in a new role. How important is it for you, not only someone that you know, respect, and obviously has a really good knowledge put, of the club and you're football? You're putting words in his mouth. He needs players. He needs players. He needs some players. I'll <laughs> But, yeah, how fast can you work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, I got to give credit to Jane. You know, like with, yeah, with, of course, yeah. You know, she's brought the academy a very, very long way and managed to get some real great processes and real great people in, the, in mm. the academy from what I've seen so far. And, you know, there are some fantastic kids coming through, you know, the under 12s, under 14s. It's just, you're right. Yeah. Like, we just need to yeah. <laughs> get them to grow up a bit quicker, don't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah. How exciting is it to be working yeah, with Yeah, it is. It's role? great. I think it's really important that we retain... Uh, good people and Karen certainly that as well as giving so much as a player I think she's she's going to do great in that role I think it's really important that we support her in the right way because it's a big job and I think um, you know there's been a lot of changes like we were talking about at the top end I also think at academy level as well the rules seem to change quite a bit that allow you to do a work in a certain way but 
yeah, I think uh, being a part of, and, and Nick was the same when in its inception and when we first started doing Simp Beads in the Boys Academy, you know, that was a real game changer. And I think it's trying to be ahead of the pack as much as you possibly can and doing something different that hopefully is going to see results five, six, seven years time. And, and that's the exciting part. And I think, uh, like we were saying before about where the women's game has gone with the availability and the and the visual uh, attendances and everything else that we're seeing is allowing young girls to be able to have a platform of not necessarily playing in boys' team and then having to stop when they're 12, actually having their own teams yeah. and having their own route and pathway to come through, I think is really exciting. It must give you a lot of pride as well, Nick. Obviously, you, you were with Karen from the start when she joined the club to see her then go on to the role she's doing now. But as Gareth said also, the, the opportunity for young girls, not just at City, but around the country to have those opportunities now compared to 10 years ago must be a really nice feeling. Yeah, I think, I think you know, one of my reflections is the game is different now. The game is far more developed and far more difficult than it was when I started in 2014. The, the, the level of player, the standard of teams has really improved. What the growth of the game brings is, for this guy, a far more difficult job in trying <laughs> to win. You know, Man United were one season. There was no Aston Villa. The Tottenham Hotspur were in the initial inception. So, you know, I was fighting Arsenal and Chelsea. The three of us were fighting for two spots. And we sort of bobbed around. Now it's four, five, six teams. You look at the results... If I look at 2014 through 2018, the league was won and lost on head-to-heads mm. because everybody beat everybody. And then it was Chelsea, Arsenal, City. Who's going to win the head-to-heads? And then Man United come in and sort of had a go. And, you know, I don't say Casey done an incredible job, but it was still us three fighting against each other. And um, now you look at the results across the league and, you know, if you can drop points against a really good Aston Villa team, Tottenham Hotspur would beat Arsenal. You know, there's, there's teams, Liverpool have beaten Man United. So um, that is really good for the game. Like I say, it just, makes the, it just makes the job more difficult. One for Gareth to get results consistently, but also for KB because the players that she has to produce have to be of the level to play the game now. Whereas the players that you had to produce in 2014, you're producing, uh, the, the, the pool is far smaller. Now, when I was the head coach, and I, re- you know, I thought it was difficult. But ultimately, you know, we lost a lot of players to America. Leon took Izzy yeah. Christiansen, took Lucy Bronze, took Nikita Paris. Now all of those players want to come and play in our league, and this is this is amazing. But like I say, it means that the younger players now have to be developed to a far more higher standard, physically, technically, tactically, socially. Um, but I also think KB will be incredible at this role because once she's she's been involved in it she's lived it at an international level she's lived it within our club so she has our way in her blood but also she went through an incredible education process while she was finishing so not only does she have the desire to do it she also has the she's got real high capability so um i think it's an incredible appointment and i think is one i think for us the next stage is to have our own on the field if we can have our own you know Look at our goalkeeper now. It's amazing to see because you know that you have somebody that has been invested in the process. The fans will love. It's it's to me it's what we do best. You look at Phil Foden. It's it's, it's what we do best, and it's what we're going to continue to do. We've obviously got to talk about the derby, the Manchester derby. There's been some incredible games and, and results that you've both overseen, Karen. You've been a part of as well. Um, Nick, the first one, the Etihad. 
Um, Gareth, you obviously had the same experience a couple of years later, but for you, Nick, what was that? What was that experience like from the build-up through to the actual game itself? Um, the build-up was good. Obviously, it's an exciting game. We know Man Manchester United had decided to have a women's team, and then coincidentally, we played them on the first game of the season at the Etihad, <laughs> which was, you know, worked really well. Um, we knew they were going to be a good team. They recruited really well. They actually recruited Abby McManus went and played there. Yeah. He was one of our players and. And ultimately, it's a Manchester derby, and it was in the Etihad. And the one thing that I can remember really clearly was I just hammered it home. We cannot lose this game. Mm. And I had a team as well with the likes of Jill Scott, Steph Hort, and those type of players that even if we don't play so well, we'll grind it out. I was so confident with that team in that game. And we had the quality of a player like Caroline Rear that can change a game and she did it so often um in actually that game she did it so yeah, often did it <laughs> when i went to new york i would watch the games and she scored those two incredible chips so um and i think for us it's a little bit different now because you see the stadiums the game has grown for us to play in the men's stadium and have the amount of fans that were there we were lucky enough to do it in two fa cup finals but you didn't do it in a league game it was fairly new so the pressure was on the we didn't play so well in the start of the game. We no. turned the ball over a little bit. They had the first chance of the game. Um, I remember Ellie making a really good save in the in the game to keep us in it. Um, I think it was from Jane Ross as well, it actually, was, yeah. who was our striker. <laughs> yeah. um, but then to score the goal to get the win, I think was you know it, it was a great a great occasion, a great feeling, and one that you know like I say we had to win. So I was happy we did. Yeah, similar with with the the Etihad derby that you've been in charge of Gareth where it was maybe the first half we didn't quite hit our usual mm. standards but then the second half I mean obviously I'm going to have blue tinted glasses on but yeah. there was only one team that was going to go yeah, on we were Yeah we were nervous I didn't really I didn't really enjoy the experience if I'm honest because it was we didn't win mm. we, we didn't win but uh, there were reasons why it was kind of like felt like a you know, although it was our home venue and it was a fantastic occasion to get all of the supporters in like we did and, and it was great. I think the girls were left feeling afterwards that, can we do it again next week? Mm. That was the kind of feeling. Um, you know, obviously a different feeling, the the game we played a few weeks ago at Old Trafford, which yeah. was the first derby played on their soil and we did amazingly well that day. So yeah, it was a little bit... Um, I was a, I was a bit like disappointed with our performance and I don't know how you felt kind of going into it because you don't train there the day before or anything like that. I mean, it was December the 11th, the game we played last year. It was really icy at that time as well. And did you have any preparation in the stadium at all? Or? No, we didn't train there. We didn't train there. We played there once before in the first season. We played yeah. Everton, but it was like the, the, there was only one side of the, <laughs> yeah. the, the stadium was open. It was completely empty. It's completely different when you've got 28, 30, 35, 40,000 in there. Um, yeah, I don't think you ever do. I don't think you ever do really enjoy those big games no. because you have such a desire to want to win. Yeah. If you win it, it's a little bit of relief. If you draw it, you're really flat. And if you lose it, you're devastated. <laughs> yeah. So actually, it's yeah. just a process you have to go through to just get through it. And I think those big games, finals, and, and that, that, what I found is you never really play that well. It always seems to be a fight and whichever team comes out on top is a bit of luck involved in it of course individual ability like a goalkeeper save or a really good finish a really good goal um but yeah we didn't we didn't really have much preparation time and ultimately because it's so foreign to because we don't do it every mm. week you just dropped into a situation that's completely yeah. different and you just yeah. got to cope i think to be honest though from a player's perspective it doesn't really matter that much you know like maybe maybe this is because I've been at that level, you know, previously with England and things like that, being at a big ground doesn't really sort of put you off. But I remember back in 2012 with the Olympics and we were playing Brazil at Wembley, they asked us if we wanted to go and train 
you know, at the ground the night before. And basically it was miles away from where we were staying. And it was just like this massive faff and it was going to eat into our like recovery and stuff like that. And we all just kind of pulled together and go, well, you know, we're going to make this decision together. And actually, if we're not going to train there, we better win. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that ended up obviously like happening and coming to fruition. But I think now like it's credit to the girls in terms of how much the game has come along that you expect or you understand now what it feels like to play in front of 30, 50, 60,000 people. And, you know, it's the way the the game has grown and it's become kind of normalized. But my reflection on those Manchester derbies, like, unfortunately, I was injured for almost all of them. (laughs) And um, but like just the pride of kind of seeing the stadium fill up, like obviously I was really emotional about, you know, how the performance was going to go particularly like with Ellie performing well in that first one as well and the just the nature of the goal and everything like that. I remember coming away from going, you know, like that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, the performance wasn't great, but ultimately we, we did the job on that day and sadly we didn't do it, but I was at the game as well at Old Trafford and that was an incredible experience mm. to go to Old Trafford and like watch the disappointment like slowly kind of emerge on the faces of all those United supporters going, oh no, like this isn't going how we thought it would. Um, so that was really cool, like just from a, um, yeah, a supporting standpoint. Did it feel different, Old Trafford, to the Etihad, Gareth, in terms of preparation on the game itself? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It did because obviously, you know, you're um, you're the away team. You're there. You know, obviously, the majority of the supporters are going to be in, in red. Um, although we had fantastic support there on that evening. Yeah, it was kind of like surreal experience, really. And it's only probably I I, I mentioned this in a, in another conversation I had with someone which was like probably didn't dawn on you the enormity of it or actually what we actually did mm. until I got home and sat on the sofa and it was because the rest of the time it's like you don't enjoy it like Nick or say the same <laughs> you don't really enjoy the game so much you feel like we're having elements of control but you're always on the edge and all it takes is a refereeing decision and we went down to 10 players as well which we had to manage I was I was thinking this would be great here three one up um, you know, let's like see. Let's enjoy this last fifteen minutes. Next thing, Liar gets <laughs> Liar a red gets card. And <laughs> you have to kind of like get your thinking cap on again. And it's a long yeah. walk as well. It never and works like that. No, it doesn't. But it doesn't <laughs> give you the last fifteen minutes. No, it doesn't. Those big ones. But you manage it really well. Like, well, we've had experience of it. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so we've had experience of it. Uh, and I, I, I got off a of pep when he went down to ten men against Forest early in the season. I was really like, he's gone to back five here. He's gone to a five-four-one, and I was like, wow, you know. Forget like building up from the Whatever back. Whatever it takes, huh? Yeah, get more <laughs> defenders onto the pitch. And like I say, uh, it happened to us at West Ham. It's happened yeah. to us against Chelsea and also happened to us against United. And fortunately, we came out of that with, with good performances. But when you're able in that United game to bring on Steph Houghton into the mm-hmm. middle of defence, who's really going to show leadership and help the young players around her who've maybe not been in that type of situation before. But you forget, like Karen said, there's a, there's so many players now who are international players who've played it top stadiums, you know, the and not empty stadiums anymore, you know, they're filling up. I was fortunate enough to go to the World Cup and it was just an amazing to amazing experience to see full stadiums and players, you know, playing great football in, in big stadia. Just before we finish though, I just wanted to ask you both for if if you had a particular highlight for, or like a real major moment that you really look back on. Obviously for Nick it's easy for you to look back with pride because you're with New York now, Gareth, it might be a bit more difficult because you still live in it. But mm-hmm. if there's a particular moment, starting with you, Nick, that you really look back on and think, yeah, you know what? I'm really proud of that one. 
no, because there's far too many. I think there's 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 cycles. The first trophy, when I speak to the players, especially the the sort of former players, the more experienced players, Karen, Jill, Scott, Steph, they will always say the first trophy. Jill always says to me the first trophy is the most special. I don't actually think I I do love that trophy, but Wembley is a very special place. You go to Wembley, and you walk up the steps to lift an FA Cup. We actually were three 0 up at half time against Birmingham. So like you're getting in at half time thinking this is absolutely like a, this is a gift. So, you know, I, I I think that was special. If I'm really honest, when you said to me about the trophies being that moment of belief, I think 2018 was a big year for us because we were top in February. We were top of the league. We were in the Champions League semi final. We were in the Conti Cup final against Arsenal. And we were in the FA Cup semi-final. We lost the Conti Cup final to Arsenal, which is the the final, the only final I lost, which was, we actually thought, I actually believed I owned winning then. So it sort of like smacked me in the face. We got knocked out by Leon in the Champions League semi-final. Chelsea beat us in the last minute, Frank yeah. Kirby, uh, in the FA Cup semi-final. And then we blew the league at Chester City against Liverpool. And I actually think that was really difficult. And then in 2019, we went and won the double. We won at Sheffield United. And if you watch the video, when we put the last penalty in, Janine Becky puts the penalty in. The camera comes on to me, and I like put my head and my hands on the on the on the the drinks container yeah. because I actually think that was the moment that I thought like oh, I actually think I believed I'd never win again. And in that moment, I learned so much that actually no one always wins. Yeah. And and actually, just because you win finals, when you lose one, it's not failure. It's really disappointing. But there's two more next year, and there's another opportunity to win a league. And this team will always be there, whether it was when I was the coach or when Gareth is. Look at them now, fighting. They'll be there till the end because this is a special football team. So I actually think that moment, we then go and played West Ham in the FA Cup, and we managed to win the double, the two cups that year. So I actually think that season was a really, really important season for me personally. Absolutely. I mean, you were the you were the hero at Bramall Lane, weren't you? <laughs> that <laughs> the was penalties. such a good day. I mean, such a this, great weekend. This is a crazy. This is a crazy thing. Like little insight is Ellie played quite a lot that season, and I just knew I could rely on KB in the big moment. She played in the FA Cup final as mm. well, <laughs> and made a massive save. That might have been Jane Ross as well. Oh, the header, yeah. The header. Yeah. Nil, nil. Pubs, Jane Ross. They, eh? they, had, <laughs> they had the first chance, and it was like a four-yard header that KB yeah. made a save, and it was difficult on Ellie because she played a lot that year. But in those big moments, I just had to make a clinical decision and put KB made all the saves in the penalty. And if you watch it back, I actually watched it back this year, you know, oh and she's banging the gloves like this. Yeah. And as she's banging the gloves, you can see the Arsenal players just literally, you can see she looks so big in the goal and they just missed. It actually was really important. She played in those games and was massive. That was big for me. I mean, personally, because there was so much going on. Picked up loads of injuries at the very beginning of the season at Chelsea away. Do you remember? Yeah. Got tabletop basically by Kira Walsh. Yeah. I think she was trying Went to protect the, the ball. Got stretchered off, went and had like C spine mm. like scans and all that stuff. So Ellie came in literally five minutes in the game and had to, you know, keep us in it, didn't she? Yeah, nil she nil. Really well she did. Game. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, like my England career was on the line. So I was just like, I have to do we had some difficult conversations that yeah. season. But I had to do whatever was best for me to get to the World Cup as well, because I felt like, you know, you're not getting any younger here, KV, you know what I mean? Um, so f to be given the opportunity to kind of show myself in that big moment was was massive for me. Um, but it's just so funny because like that weekend, I just received my like dissertation results as well for my degree. So like it was all coming up roses and that happened. And then the, yeah, it was just the perfect way to get sent off to a World Cup. Like genuinely, I was on cloud nine. I thought there was nothing I couldn't do. Yeah, that I remember that 
just before we move on, ask your highlight, Gareth. Remember that the Conti Cup final. Remember when you saved one, you absolutely smacked the goal. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, remember, I remember watching that at the time, but then also I looked back and I was like, how have you not broken your I know, hand I, know. I thought that was kind of stupid, actually, when I did that. I was like, I shouldn't have done that. God, but. imagine. Um, <laughs> uh, just finally, Gareth, if, if you have a highlight from your time as manager. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously that first trophy at Wembley, it was a shame that obviously no supporters were able to be there and your family's not able to be there. And, you know, I've looked back on you guys winning the FA Cup previously and, and uh, West Ham and Birmingham, wasn't it? Those two, which were both where supporters are in the stadium as well, which is amazing. So you, you kind of felt a little bit robbed with that. And obviously the other trophy win in the Conti Cup at, uh, against Chelsea. They um, played really well in that game. That was such yeah. a good yeah, game. Yeah, we had Brilliant to really game. fight in such that game. game. And, um, you know, Caroline played a big part in it again. But uh, yeah, they're great. And I, I think it's, those are the big moments. And then obviously that season as well, we lost the FA Cup final in a supporter field stadium. <laughs> so I got my wish, but didn't get the win. And uh, yeah, that was another one where the, like Nick says, sometimes like the scars are the things that kind of drive you on. Um, but yeah, many, many fantastic moments. And it's crazy, really, that I've gone into my fourth season. I just can't believe how the time, where the time's gone. And I remember seeing Nick racking up year after year, um, getting to about six. So for the 10 years, you did about six and a half. Yeah. And I've split the other. I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, because it changed. The 2014, 2015 seasons were summer seasons, summer seasons and then it yeah. changed. So I think I did, I think, yeah, I think I did six and a half seasons in, yeah. in the end, yeah. Uh, well, well, Nick, Gareth, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. As I said, I, I could speak to you for, for the next, <laughs> could be doing a 20 year anniversary podcast <laughs> by the time I'm finished. But thank you so much for your time, thank all you. of you. Cheers, really appreciate it. And hopefully a lot more exciting memories to come. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. That too. It's <laughs> going out in January. All right. Oh, no. oh. Cut that, Tom. He's now good. Keep it in. Keep it in. He's good. The unbeatable official Manchester City podcast. Watch the full video version of this show via City Plus now.